0: My name is Jenna, and I'm here to help you do all the hard things. I'm a licensed professional counselor with over eight years of research and clinical experience with people who have some of the most debilitating OCD and anxiety in the world. I'm also a mom, a personal trainer, and a lover of modern spirituality. My goal is to bring you all the research, guidance, and encouragement you need to help your member and know how strong you truly are. Now let's get to it. All right. Hello, hello, everyone. Um, Welcome to the first episode of All the Hard Things podcast. I wanted to really start with something big for me and something that I know is big right now for a lot of people. So I really wanted to talk about the topic of anxiety and obsessive-compulsive disorder or obsessive-compulsive symptoms as it presents itself in motherhood. Um, These are really two of my loves as far as topics go. So, as I mentioned earlier, I'm a therapist. I work with people who have OCD and anxiety. I'm also a mom and I struggled with this for the first year and a half of my own motherhood experience. Um, A couple of the things that I'm going to talk about in the podcast will just give you some light as to how this really showed up in my life and the things that I'm going to talk to you about as far as the treatment interventions. I went through it all. So, I can definitely give you guys some insight as far as the research goes and as far as personal experience goes as far as this is concerned. The good thing here is that the treatment for this for anxiety and for obsessive compulsive disorder is so effective. I love exposure and response prevention and if you've never heard of it before I will definitely go in detail about it and if you're curious about it what you can expect. Um, There's also just a lot of quick things that can happen that you can do that will bring a lot of relief, and I will go over all of those things in this podcast. So first things first, I just want to normalize what a lot of this is in motherhood. So the IOCDF, which is the International OCD Foundation, said that almost all new mothers have unwanted infant-related thoughts, but only some of them will move on to develop clinical levels of OCD. And so I'm going to just say OCD, but of course with that I mean obsessive compulsive symptoms. Um, You don't necessarily need a diagnosis of OCD to be benefiting from the information in this podcast. And even though I'm saying OCD, I also am kind of loosely referring to just anxiety in general. um, Because even though OCD is related to anxiety, I will get into the differences and the similarities of course, but again they're very very similar in how we approach them as far as treatment goes. Um, there have been tons of research studies to suggest that almost a hundred percent of people in the general population experience what are called intrusive thoughts at some point in some capacity, even men. Um, other research shows that 80% of new moms are saying that they experience these intrusive thoughts, intrusive thoughts meaning just things that kind of come out of nowhere. They're really scary thoughts that the mom can't really make sense of. Um, I would even go as far to argue that it's 100% across the board. I think that When it comes to those numbers, it's hard for people to be 100% honest. I think sometimes they're fearful of what other people will think of them. Um, So it's possible that the people, like the 20% of moms who aren't endorsing these things, maybe they are just not understanding completely. Or maybe they do experience them and they're just not wanting to report those. So moral of the story is these things are really, really common, especially in motherhood, and I'll explain why. So when it comes to how anxiety and OCD or obsessive compulsive symptoms kind of manifest in motherhood, there are some biological explanations for that. So obviously our hormones when we're pregnant and especially when we have the baby, our hormones are just crazy out of whack and that can really do a number on our brain. It can do a number on all sorts of stuff. There is also evidence to suggest that there is a genetic predisposition to some of these issues. So if it's running in your family, that's not to say that 100% you'll get it, but it is to say that you are slightly more vulnerable as far as that goes. Now, there are, of course, several other psychological explanations that could contribute to someone developing any of these issues. So what I want to talk about here, I think we'll get into kind of, well, how do we know what's... Problematic? How do we know when to get help? What's just normal mom guilt or what's normal mom anxiety? And so we have to understand first and foremost that anxiety is functional. I think sometimes anxiety is so uncomfortable for us, especially in motherhood, that we forget that. It's part of our evolution. It's part of our survival. If we weren't anxious about things, we wouldn't want to make sure that our children are being cared for. We wouldn't care to check on them to make sure that they're protected and safe. It's just a normal, harmless part of early parenthood. Um, it becomes problematic though when the parent misinterprets these normal thoughts or normal worries as indicating some threat or significance so for example if someone is experiencing a violent thought um, or a thought that really really worries them this person may go on to misinterpret that intent or misinterpret that thought as an intent to harm so someone with OCD would have an intrusive thought. Again, like we all do, they might have an intrusive thought that as they are cutting up vegetables with their baby, oh my gosh, what if I stabbed them on accident? That's a normal intrusive thought. Again, we all experience those thoughts. Somebody would become more Distressed by that, when they start to misinterpret that thought as an intent to harm, meaning, oh my gosh, I must have thought that because that means I want to harm my baby. They kind of latch onto that thought and assume responsibility for it versus just accepting it as kind of, well, that was a weird thought. I don't really know where that came from. And so that misinterpretation of that thought as intent to harm leads to that person obviously experiencing a heightened level of anxiety, a heightened level of fear. That heightened level of anxiety and fear becomes so overwhelming that usually we're tempted to give in to some type of safety behavior or some type of ritual or compulsion some behavior that really temporarily makes us feel better but in the long term just exacerbates that fear in the first place and these all happen because especially in early motherhood we're experiencing what's called a rapid increase in responsibility so as people with anxiety and as we become more responsible for things especially our children, we see our anxiety go up the roof. We see our fear go up through the roof and that makes total sense. Again, because it's adaptive, we want to make sure that these things, that these people stay safe. But we also have to keep our behaviors in check. So generalized anxiety is going to be something that's just excessive anxiety and worry about real life topics. They may be challenging to control. They may present with physical or cognitive symptoms like fatigue, muscle aches, difficulty sleeping. That's gonna be a little bit different from OCD in that it's just about real life issues. Um, It's just kind of a lot of sprinkling of anxiety over a wide range of more real life topics. You're also gonna see a lot of excessive worry in general. So worrying even when there's no specific threat present, and it's gonna be definitely really disproportionate to the actual risk. Then, as I've referenced several times, we have obsessive compulsive disorder, which is going to comprise of obsessions and then compulsions. So obsessions are gonna be intrusive or unwanted thoughts, ideas, images, or impulses that cause distress. These intrusive thoughts are often accompanied by repetitive behaviors or mental acts, so rituals or otherwise known as safety behaviors. And the point of these behaviors is to reduce the anxiety that's brought on by those intrusive thoughts. Some examples of intrusive thoughts, and again, 80% of all new moms, I would argue more, are endorsing these. So some examples would be that the baby could die in their sleep. They may drop the baby from a high place like a balcony or over the stairs, putting the baby in an oven or a microwave. They may have images of the baby dying. They may have a difficult time imagining the baby choking, have unwanted impulses to shake the baby, thoughts of yelling at the baby, thoughts of poking the baby at their soft spot, stabbing the baby, poisoning them. There is also a small subset of moms, and it and it happens absolutely, of moms who have sexual intrusive thoughts about their children. It happens to dads too. So I just want everybody to know that if you're one of those moms who happen to have experienced a sexual intrusive thought about a child or your children, that's something that happens. And I'm going to go through it a little bit more in detail as well. As far as compulsions go, something that would go alongside the intrusive thoughts, these are going to be again those those behaviors that happen either overtly or covertly that work to reduce the anxiety brought on by the intrusive thought. So, some common compulsions would be reassurance seeking this is when you may ask others so your partner about making sure that you're okay making sure that your baby is okay you may look a lot of stuff up on the internet and over research you may ask the doctor a bunch of times if this is normal avoidance is also going to be a big one so If you're having a hard time maybe in the kitchen with sharp objects around your baby, you may just avoid cooking altogether or you may avoid having the baby in that space. Having family members take over, this is a big one as well. So a lot of moms, if you're struggling with something related to maybe harm or maybe in the bathtub, maybe just be easier in that moment. It might feel easier to just let dad take over or let another person take over. May also check their other people's reactions when their children are around to see how they feel or how they're reacting to their their own parenting. Could also analyze your own thoughts to see if you agree with them. So kind of doing this back and forth in your head, would I really do that? You know, where did that idea come from versus kind of just letting it be there and letting it go. May argue with the thoughts or engage in a lot of self-assurance. And then another really common one would be just reviewing situations in your head, maybe replaying events. This is one that I can give a pretty good real life example about. So I remember in the middle of the night one night, Eli, my son, he was was pretty newly born and I picked him up. I was really tired and I feel like something happened. I kind of swung him accidentally, just trying to pick him up out of the little bassinet that we had next to our bed and he didn't cry. There was no clunk or anything like that. There was no indication that I had bumped his head on the the very, very short corner of our dresser, but I felt like it came so close that I had to check his, I, I physically just went back and checked his head probably hundreds and hundreds of times, um... Again, and I would go back in my head mentally just trying to remember, like, did he cry and did I forget about that? Um, I would check, again, to just see if there was any blood. I would check to see how sharp the dresser actually was. So in case it actually did scratch him, make sure that it wasn't super, super, super painful. Um I would wake him from his sleep even an hour later to make sure he was okay and there was no objective evidence that I had actually hit him on accident. He again didn't cry, there was no indicator of a bump or anything. I remember having to wake my husband up in the middle of the night, which would be another ritual, (laughs) Um, having him just try to make sure that Eli was okay too and kind of reviewing the situation out loud. It was a scary situation and definitely one where as an OCD and anxiety therapist, I knew what was going on for me. I knew that this is not feeling like something I can control right now. This feels like I know there should not be any evidence. There's no evidence for this at all. And I still really, really feel like I need to check him. So that's just one example. But there are tons of different ways that this can come up for people. Um... Again, it's going to come up a lot in the form of just disturbing images, sexual intrusive thoughts. I want to elaborate that on a little bit more too. It's going to come up a lot when you're changing diapers or giving your baby a bath or dressing them. Some moms may also really, really struggle with excessive cleaning. So, cleaning of their baby or cleaning. Of Just the home. They may struggle with counting. They may struggle with having to do things just right or just so There's definitely some perfectionism going on some praying Um, A lot of moms have told me that they struggle with praying for happiness and praying for well-being Again, this is something where you're not doing it because you enjoy it You're not cleaning your house because you enjoy it. You're not praying because you enjoy it You're doing it because you feel as though something bad will happen if you don't. Um, So that's really the the difference there. The core really fear here with all of these different examples is going to come back to just pathological doubt. So is my baby still breathing? Would I ever harm my child? Have I ever harmed my child? You often also will worry about the worry. So, oh my gosh, am I now worrying too much? You will compare yourself to other moms, think about how things should be. And that's just a really, really dangerous cycle to start and really difficult to get off of. So, like I mentioned, there are lots of different compulsions that go into kind of trying to manage this anxiety, trying to manage these intrusive thoughts. And the model here really is that first things first, you're going to experience that trigger. Maybe you're holding your baby near the stairs. Then you're going to, outside of your own, Ability to really help it at all, you're going to maybe experience that unwanted or intrusive thought. Like, I could drop my baby down the stairs. That's going to instantly lead to some type of interpretation or negative appraisal, which is, I'm dangerous because I had that thought, I must be a bad mom. That's going to obviously lead to a lot of distress in the form of anxiety and fear, maybe even depression, feeling like, what's wrong with me? No one else is ever talking about this. I must be all alone. You may engage in these neutral neutralizations or these rituals, you know, mental rituals, trying to suppress the thought, trying to argue with them and say, no, I'm actually a really good mom. And then we're going to probably engage in some of these maintaining factors, which would be safety behaviors or more rituals where you will avoid the stairs, get reassurance from your husband or get some family accommodation. Like I can't handle the, the bath tonight, honey. I need you to take over it. I'm just way too anxious about it. So because the avoidance or the rituals or the safety behaviors seem to work, again, they're temporarily effective. I don't have to see that anxiety anymore. I'm, my baby is safe, I'm gone. I checked on my baby and they're breathing, so I'm fine. Temporarily, it's gonna be very, very effective. So you keep believing in the prevented catastrophe. Thank goodness I checked on my baby because they're still breathing and if they weren't, oh my gosh, I just don't know what, what would have happened. Thank goodness I stepped away from the bathtub because who knows what could have happened if I stayed in there. I would have been so anxious I wouldn't have been able to handle it. But in reality, the thoughts and the behaviors are meaningless. The behavior and the avoidance becomes more continuous. That avoidance becomes more repetitive. And here's the, the clinger, really. The fear is still there because you've never been able to disprove it. You've never been able to disprove that your baby can continue to breathe throughout the night without you having to check on them because you haven't allowed that to ever happen. You're not able to disprove the fact that you can have sharp objects in your hands and have your baby in the room with you and not stab them because you are constantly just giving up that task to another person in your family or you're making sure that the baby is far away so that you would never be able to do that. So again, those behaviors are becoming more continuous, more repetitive, more relied on. The fear is still there and you've never been able to disprove the feared situation from occurring. So you start to align these rituals. You start to align other people. Your anxiety is going to worsen. It's also going to decrease your confidence and your general well-being. You're going to feel like, oh my gosh, like now what? I can't even give my kid a bath. I can't cook a meal for my family. You know, now my husband is having to do all that. And so... That leads us to wanting to keep more thoughts to ourselves, which just, again, makes everything so much worse. So you're going to want to probably keep a lot of these thoughts to yourself because they would just put me in a hospital, they'll take my baby away, I'll lose my job if they knew, and that prevents learning that such thoughts are normal occurrences and that other people have them too. So... With all of that said, what do you do then when you're feeling anxious? What should you do when you're feeling the need to go and check this thing or avoid? What should you do instead? When you're feeling anxious, what I want you guys to remember is ride, R-I-D-E. So essentially we're gonna want you to just stick it out. And RIDE corresponds to a different step in this equation. So R is going to be to rename the thought. So now that you kind of know the processes that are at work here, we're going to want you to just recognize the thoughts that that they're unenjoyable and they're not consistent with your values. We also want you to, I, insist that you're in charge. So shift from a fear and passive acceptance. So, oh my gosh, I just can't handle this. I need someone else to take over to active assertion, meaning that you're in charge, not your anxiety and not your OCD. And then this is the best part. This is kind of what I specialize in. This is where the treatment comes into play. It's called D for defy anxiety, So essentially, we want you to do the opposite of what the anxiety or the worry or the obsessive compulsive tendencies want you to do. So that's going to have to require you to do what scares you, to ride it out and to stick with it. So for instance, if you're fearful of walking near a staircase or a balcony with your baby, we would encourage you to do that. Um, just kind of riding it out and sticking it out, knowing that it's going to be anxiety-provoking, but eventually that is going to come down. It's called habituation. So eventually your body and your mind are going to kind of get used to that on its own with the passing of time. So doing these hard things are going to lead to what's called corrective experiences. So eventually your anxiety is going to come down, having not avoided or sought reassurance from anybody or argued the thought, And you're going to realize like, hey, that wasn't so bad. I can't believe I did that. And so you're going to be more likely to do it next time. It's also going to lead to more what's called self-efficacy, which is I rock, I can do hard things. And so it just totally turns everything around. And then E is the final aspect of this. So enjoy your success and rewarding yourself, knowing that you did it and you can do it again. So R-I-D-E, R, renaming the thought, I, insisting that you're in charge, D, most important part here, defying the anxiety and doing the opposite of what your anxiety or your worry or your OCD wants you to do, and then E, enjoying your success and rewarding yourself. So moral of the story is going to be to do things that scare you, trying to resist or reduce the rituals or the safety behaviors. This is... The most important step in the entire process. The behaviors have to change first. The thoughts and the feelings will improve later. Something that I talk to a lot of my residents about is, unfortunately, you can't really address the worry and then the behaviors change. You can't necessarily address the feeling first because feelings are really, really difficult to change. We would, especially in a CBT and a cognitive behavioral therapy type of program, which I am part of, we want to emphasize the behaviors first. There is definitely thought work that can be done, and I'll get into some of that later for sure, but really just focusing on the behaviors. So, doing again what it is that scares you, whatever it is, just trying to sit through that and ride it out, knowing that the anxiety will come down eventually, but we gotta resist those behaviors that normally would come after. So, as far as how to cope, first things first, I think it'll be necessary to go over when to get help. So if you've read some of this and you're knowing that some of it resonates with you, but you're still kind of on the fence of, is this normal? Is this something that I should get help for? I would like to encourage you all to kind of think of your own dysfunction as far as OCD or worry or anxiety comes as far as if it's interfering with your activities of daily living. Just know that when it's interfering with your activities of daily living, like showering and eating and sleeping, and if you're just not feeling good about it, right? Like if you want to feel better, there's so much awesome treatment out there. And the treatment for OCD and anxiety, which is exposure and response prevention, is more effective for OCD and anxiety than any other treatment for any other disorder. So as scary as some of it might be to have to really cope with your fears by going through them and facing them head on, it's so effective and I've seen it change so many people's lives. So just know that the treatment is out there. There are tons and tons of more resources on the internet and from your mental health professionals locally who can really just answer any questions that you have. So as far as the barometer for when to seek help, I wouldn't use is this normal or is it not normal? because that's going to be really hard to tell. Instead, I would go off of how you're feeling and if you think you can continue to cope that way. If you're unable to keep up with your activities of daily living or if you're feeling overwhelmed and like you're willing and open to treatment, then I would definitely encourage you to seek the help of a mental health professional. Talk to your doctor. So, as far as how to cope, I think definitely the first part here is to just learn more about it. So, definitely something that was helpful for me and my journey, and that I've seen be helpful for a lot of people who struggle with this, is just becoming more educated, becoming more aware of how everything shows up in motherhood and for the people around us, because so many women don't talk about it. I think it's easy to assume that we're the only ones who struggle with it and therefore there must be something wrong with us, but I absolutely 100% don't think that that's true. So the first part of treatment is going to be just a lot of normalizing of this and psychoeducation about OCD and anxiety and what it is that you're experiencing. So I would definitely start there, just trying to get more acquainted with the information that's out there and realizing for yourself that this is not as small or as rare as you're probably assuming that it is. And remembering too that the problem is not the anxiety or the feeling or the or the difficulty of the thought and the, or the intrusiveness of the thought. The problem is the compulsions and the behaviors for safety that you're doing that actually exacerbate the difficulty of these intrusive thoughts and the worry and the anxiety. So it's all about learning not to do the compulsions. You're going to want to find a professional who specializes in CBT and ideally ERP. So ERP is going to be that exposure and response prevention or exposure and ritual prevention, which again is the gold standard treatment for OCD and anxiety. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Unfortunately, traditional talk therapy and some other aspects of treatment without the ERP can actually be really harmful. So in all the literature, you'll see that ERP-based approaches are going to be the most effective at changing these behavioral and learning processes over time. If you're just going to a therapist and kind of talking about these issues without having any ERP-based interventions, what you could be doing is just mentally reviewing verbally with this person and trying to get certainty about a lot of the things that are going on for you, and you may just be replaying situations over and over in your head to try to figure them out, which is ritualistic in nature. So traditional talk therapy, not going to be super helpful. Again, it may seem temporarily really helpful in that moment, maybe for a day or two, but you're going to probably see your symptoms exacerbated over time. So luckily there are tons of resources that are just ready to grab, ready to go, and available to you online. So the first one that I would redirect people to is going to be the IOCDF, which is the International OCD Foundation. And you can find that just at iocdf.org. They're going to have tons of research articles, tons of the most up-to-date information, Something that I think is really awesome is that they're having lots of information about COVID-19 and how to deal with that and kind of where anxiety starts and where OCD begins as far as, in particular, where COVID-19 goes and just the general atmosphere of what's going on right now. There's also the National Alliance for Mental Illness, which is an organization that you can look up and just find professionals in the area, other good local resources to help you out. I would encourage you to look into any local moms mental health initiative websites or groups that would allow you access to more resources allow you access to things like support groups and and that sort of thing and then finally would be the postpartum support international or psi that's going to offer you a lot of local resources as far as professional goes people who are in the area who are um, specifically designated and kind of really educated and specialize in postpartum issues. They also do have a helpline, so that's a resource that you can use and someone that you can go to call if you're really struggling in any time of day. So the moral of the story here is that the way over your fears and worries are going to be to go through them versus trying to get away from them or trying to go around them. So a lot of times worry, anxiety, and OCD are really two-part problems, and so they're going to require a two-part solution, meaning you have to address the thought as well as the behaviors that are really perpetuating these issues. And there's just a lot of people who suffer really silently, especially when it comes to motherhood in particular. We don't want other people to judge us. We don't want other people to think that we're bad moms, but that just perpetuates this idea that no one else is struggling, that I must be the only one who's experiencing motherhood this way when actually research shows that it's absolutely not the case whatsoever. Again, these are individuals who are afraid of the thoughts. It's likely that a lot of these things that you're experiencing are more OCD based and not psychosis. The risk for that is really, really low. So it's important to just remember that ERP Even though it can feel like a tricky treatment at first, some of it may seem counterintuitive for someone who's just hearing about it for the first time, it's more helpful for OCD and anxiety than any treatment for any other disorder. There are tons of treatment available options that are out there you and baby and family deserve the treatment and symptom improvement that's available to you so if you have any questions if you want to know more about exposures if you want to know more about the treatment or you know is this normal is it not um if you're kind of wondering you know i really struggle with intrusive thoughts but i'm not sure what my compulsions might be definitely feel free to reach out to me anytime So the best places to reach out would be on my Instagram at jenna.overbaugh. You can also email me if you'd like. That's going to be jennaoverbaugh at gmail.com. And then finally, I would redirect everybody to check out my website at jennaoverbaugh.com. So going to have lots of good upcoming information as far as resources go, PDFs, um, lots of great collaborations with other professionals in the field as far as trauma and anxiety and just lots of other really, really great things coming down the line here. So I hope this was helpful. I hope this serves you. Uh, And in the meanwhile, definitely, like I said, feel free to reach out, take care, and make sure that you keep challenging yourself to do all the hard things.